Let's get into it then. All right. Awesome sauce. I ask that the gods and goddesses of our respective paths bless this circle so that we may be free and protected within this space. And if you have this one word, pagan or paganism. For the pagan community. Exactly. Right. The, the big umbrella. And that was fucking fantastic. The best of the podcast of ever. Hey! We're, we're three pagans. Exactly. We're three pagans. And a cat. And may the works this day of be of the highest good for all present and those listening. So mote it be. The circle is cast. We are linked by blood, and blood is memory without language. Welcome to Blood Magic, the 106th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of Joyce Carol Oates. Thanks to Velocity Rose for our intro music. You can find more of their work at VelocityRose.com. You may call me Oates. You can call me Carr. I'm Oates' father. Mary Meat. My name is Gwyn Oates' mother. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help it. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, okay. right, are we ready for housekeeping? Yes, let's do housekeeping. Oh, please. Yes, Jeez. let's do housekeeping. <laughs> Alright, so we have two new kittens. Okay, greetings to our new kittens. We love you kittens. We have Friday, who is a new cat. Welcome, Friday. I love that name, love and welcome. And we have L, who is a new hunter. Welcome to our new hunter. We love our hunter, we love our cat, we love our kittens, and all of our patrons. Yes. All of our pride. All of our pride. Yeah, whether you're a patron or not. Right, yeah. That's yeah. true. It's time for a reminder. Right now, we have the patron questions channel open to everyone in the pride. Um, that's going to continue through the end of August. Starting in September, we're going to lock that channel to just patrons again. Yep. Right. So, so just hunter and above patrons. Yes. Yep. So if you're hunter and above, you will have that exclusive right that you had before the pandemic hit. Yep. We're locking it back down to that starting September. Whatever <laughs> our first date in <laughs> right, September yeah, whatever is. Whatever our first, whatever that first episode in September episode. is, right, yeah. then we'll be locking down that channel again. Exactly. So, but yeah. the rest of the circle will remain open to everyone as That's always. That's right. Yep. That's right. Yep. We're just yep. going back to the way it was, including when we record, because we started mm-hmm. out on Sundays. Yeah. We way, moved, way back. Way back in the day. Now we can say that. Mm-hmm. And then we <laughs> moved to Saturdays because Carr had a commitment on Sundays, mm-hmm. but that commitment no longer exists, so here we are again yep. on Sunday. It's, it's great when you are the person in charge now right. when and the meetings say, happen. We don't have to do those. <laughs> <laughs> we, don't, we don't need to do that. We, we, no. we don't need that. No, no, no I refuse. But, uh, but we also put it to a vote to the people in the Facebook and the Discord uh, if they would yep. prefer Saturday or Sunday. And y'all it was Sunday. overwhelmingly Sunday. Yep. Yep. And the other reason we wanted to move was that Around Grandfather, Grandfather Fire, Fire had to move to Saturdays at yep, seven yep. because Jim got a new job. Right, so work so, so, obligations, yep. which were what originally forced us to move to Saturdays. Exactly, and we know that we share a lot of listeners between mm-hmm. our and we didn't want to make that people have to choose. Exactly, other housekeeping things. Right, so Sundays at. 2 p.m., mm-hmm. I do a Zoom call for about two hours that's open to anybody and everybody, and there's no, like, planned anything. We usually just sit around and talk about absolutely nothing. Today, I missed the first hour because I was watching Sister Act. I was going to say, unless Sister <laughs> but, Act is on the on um, TV. But then I came on, and we talked about Sister Act. So come out, hang out. It's, It'll it's be fun. Exactly. The chit-chat with the cat. What else was there? Gwyn. Oh, Gwen. Gwen does some stuff. Gwen, tell people I what do you do. I a couple of things. On Monday mornings at 8 a.m. Eastern, I lead a short guided meditation. Those are recorded, so you don't have to be present for the meditation unless you want to be. They last about 20 minutes. And then on Wednesday, I do a, or I'm, I should say I'm facilitating a three-pack book club, and right now we are going through How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. 
Kendi. And what chapter are you guys on now? Seven? Eight? Somewhere in there. <laughs> <laughs> They're on one of those chapters. We're several several chapters, chapters in now. Several chapters but you in. can join at any time. Uh-huh. You don't have right. to, just catch yeah, up. Just catch up. And yeah. Even if you just want to come in and find out what's going on, you're more than welcome to join us. It's a Zoom call. The link is posted in both the three-pack group and on the three-pack page. Yep. And then I have something new to announce. Right. So, Sarenth Odinson from Around Grandfather Fire... Malik Odinson, who's members of both Around Grandfather Fire and Three and Pagans and a Cat, and myself will be starting a brand new podcast starting Tuesday the 25th at 7 p.m. So we will be doing it every other Tuesday night, and it's called Three Pagans on Tap. <laughs> and we will be discussing what alcohol we're drinking, an overview of the producer, overviewing the drink and how we're drinking it, what gods or spirits the drink reminds us of, and we will also do a mocktail with that as well for those who are not alcohol proficient mm-hmm. or, or can't drink People alcohol. Who are dry. Or who yeah. are dry. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> alcohol proficient. <laughs> So people who are not alcoholics like me. People uh, who didn't invest any skill points into their alcohol tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so join us for that. We also already have a Discord up, Three Pots, so you can find uh, links to that. If you want a link to it, just contact Sarah, myself, or Malik on any of those things. You almost made Ode do a spit take. <laughs> Three pagans on tap. Oh my three pots. Yep. Three pots. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I did want to also say that I'm starting a, a new tradition. It's the Green Earth Witchcraft Tradition. Yep. And if you are interested in that, you can go to Facebook. There's a page. Um, it's Green Earth Witchcraft. You can just search in the search bar. There's also the YouTube channel that I'm doing, which is under Gwyn Indian Brigid. And you can just type in Green Earth Witchcraft and it'll bring up some videos that I've been doing there. Yep. And there's a website that has been started. Yep. So a very basic website is up, but more will be coming as soon as Carr has more time. I'm and speaking to my, about myself about in the third person. Third person. That's yeah. kind of nice. But if you want to go, <laughs> I'm going to do that the entire episode. Oh, but if God. you want to go sneak a peek, it's greenearthwitchcraft.com. Yep. And there then I'm go. working with some folks who are helping me kind of get everything together and the official launch will be, uh, for an online coven will be April in 2021. There we go. Well, yeah. I think we're I think all caught all the, up. That's all the housekeeping? Yep. Oh, wait a second. We're house kept. We're house kept and, and house swept. There we go. <laughs> we're going to be talking about the use of blood and magic. That's yep. right. Sometimes called blood magic. <laughs> Imagine that. Blood magic. Sometimes called blood magic. <laughs> <laughs> that's because you got to say it like that because otherwise people go, Blood magic. Spooky. Ooh, spooky. If you've ever seen blood magic referred to in a game anywhere, it's the spooky guy. Yes. I play many a game where blood magic is like the evil magic tree. Well, and shit, all you have to do is put blood magic into your Google, and the first six Uh entries are are World of Warcraft, Dragon Age. (laughs) And you're like, okay, I know there's actually legitimate (laughs) blood magic here somewhere. You have to put blood in magic. Yes. Use of blood in magic. You have to really extend out your search term. That's right. So or you it, just exclude game. But it is it be true. said, blood magic. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But it is true that a lot of people get squiggy or squiffy mm-hmm. about get squiffy about blood magic because yeah. it, they get you know, out by it. They get squicked. You know, and that's because of, a lot of people don't like blood. That's just true. in general. That's very true. I don't like blood. Yeah. I don't even like to see my own blood. Yeah. 
I mean, I know it's in me, but that's, <laughs> doing, that's where it should doing stay. Doing important life things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, the but the thing is that blood, whether, you know, you're talking about from the ancients to today, blood is very important. It's very powerful. It has a, a deep imagery for human beings, whether they recognize it as such or not, because it, it represents life, it represents death, power. So I want to start... I think with like, I'm gonna get a little sciencey and mm -hmm. a little ancient Greek philosophy. Good. I have lots of stuff too, so we'll cool. see what, cool. how we can, how, like, how we can mesh it together. Yes. So. Hey, you all are kind of scaring me, but continue. <laughs> I mean, obviously there's the reason blood is important and, and powerful and valuable is because it's part of you. Mm -hmm. And that could be true for anything that's part of you. Um, you'll see a lot of people will substitute like spit, mm -hmm. urine, urine, semen, vaginal secretions, that kind of stuff. We'll substitute that stuff for blood, hair, things like that. Mm -hmm. so there's sort of like, especially in the modern day, there's been sort of an anything that has DNA in it will do mm -hmm. kind of vibe for this, for those kind of purposes. So I could just scrape off a little bit of skin? A little yeah. bit of skin, fingernails. Fingernails okay. are very good as yep. well. So I think I'm going to start saving my fingernail clippings in a little bottle. <laughs> and that's actually something I was going to say for those who, because... There's a, there are people who, and I happen to be one of them, say blood magic isn't for everyone, obviously. Mm -hmm. I don't think it should be undertaken by beginning witches, but if you are doing something that would be helped with through blood magic, using something like hair or urine or fingernails or some other type of thing can be a great place to start. Right. Using like spit or something is yes. a good intro to using blood pieces of your body. In exactly. Magic. And I think the other important thing to note in, in blood magic is it's not like what you see on TV. No. You don't have to slice your hand open and squeeze no. your so hand we'll start over with some, the cauldron. I guess what we'll actually start with is some general <laughs> precautions. First general precaution. Know that blood is very expensive. Yep. In fact, I'd say it's probably the most magically expensive component on earth. Like it's, it's the thing that is most valuable for magical purposes. That's not gold. That's no kind of stone. Mm -hmm. That's not money. It's blood. There's, blood is the most expensive thing. That's because there's power in blood. Which is why you need very, very little of it to accomplish something. That's right. Like an astonishingly small amount of blood. Just a few blood. drops. A drop. A drop of blood is more expensive than most things you can find. Mm -hmm. and the other thing, the other big safety warning, mm -hmm. is if you're going to use blood and magic, you need to be very sure that you're being careful in a mundane sense. Mm -hmm. So you need to have, you, you need to be using sterilized equipment. Mm -hmm. You need to be sanitizing your work surfaces and mm -hmm. anything that touches your blood. You need mm -hmm. to not be sharing your blood with other people. If you are using menstrual blood you'll, and you want to collect it and save it for a while, make sure you leave it in the refrigerator in a container. In a sealed container. Yes. 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 Sealed Preferably container. marked. Yes. Yeah, well, a yes. sealed marked container. <laughs> It won't last very long. Blood no. does not last very long no, it unless doesn't. it's treated in specific ways. Mm -hmm. So you can't keep blood for a very long time. No. And this is the vitally important part, right? Mm -hmm. I know there are a lot of like blood brother rituals and stuff about mixing your blood with someone's. Mm -hmm. Don't do that. It's not sanitary. Mm -hmm. Blood. That's how bloodborne pathogens get spread. Yeah. And that's in the mundane sense right. of, of and also these common sense. Basically. Right. Good common sense blood handling and. Several reasons for not slicing your hand open to, to get blood. A, you don't need that much. No. B, it's really inconvenient to put a Band-Aid on the palm of your hand. Mm -hmm. And C, you are going to have a much harder time sterilizing that equipment. Yeah. 
Yeah, it also takes longer to heal in the palm it does, of your hand. Yeah, because yeah. you're going to keep flexing and using your right. Yep. Like Rabbit says, you know, it looks dramatic when you, you know, if you're slicing yeah. your hand. But honestly, get yourself a diabetic uh, lancet yep. and the the one in the little spring loaded the the ejecting yeah thing. Right. yeah like what I use to drop blood. Yeah, right. super easy. You can get them from the pharmacy. You don't need a prescription or anything. Nope, and you'll get a, a drop of blood, and that's all you need. Yeah, it's just a little like spring loaded thing. You put a little tiny needle in it and you push it against your the side of your finger and you press the button and it just shoots out yep. and collects like a drop of blood, maybe two. Paul from Arts and Craft, he creates burns, mm-hmm. which is used for blood magic. So what you would do is, and it's a very sharp implement, yes. instrument, a very sharp tool. So you would want to make sure that you're cleansing it each and every time you use it. So that you're not... And not just magically cleansing. Yeah. Sterilizing. Yes. That's what I'm I'm meaning. Physically yeah. sterilizing that burn. Making sure you're cleaning it, uh, both energetically if you uh-huh. if you need to, but also physically clean it between each use. So if you buy a burn, you should also buy an autoclave. Yeah. I think, I think alcohol <laughs> probably... I don't think you need an autoclave, but, you know, there are ways to... I mean, I used to work in a medical group. I understand yeah. right, yeah. the whole autoclave thing. Yep. But, but yeah, you, there there are ways to sterilize your equipment that you should always be doing yeah. before yeah. and after each use. If of you're this doing equipment. any kind of, of blood magic, and if you get those little diabetic lancets from the pharmacy, mm-hmm. those come in little. They're pre-sterilized. They come in little yeah. sealed packages, so you don't yep. have to worry about that so much. So that's the general cautions. <laughs> I will say this as someone who uses those because I am a diabetic. Mm-hmm. There's laws about how you dispose of sharps. Yes. So make sure you get a sharps container. Yeah. And they're yeah. not that expensive. You can get them at any pharmacy. Yeah, yeah. because you're putting blood on it. So yep. it's a biomedical waste yes. hazard. So you don't want to just toss it into your garbage. Yeah. No. You want to make sure if you are going to use blood magic and you're going to use some kind of lancet like you would, you know, one of the diabetic injectors, get also get a sharps container. disposal container. Yep. They're As I said, they're not that expensive. They last for years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can, you, yeah. you're gonna you're gonna fit a lot of lamps. I have in that I have thing. just now replaced mine after seven years. Yeah. So. But you also haven't been. You know. I'm not. Yeah, I don't. I don't do mine. <laughs> but people who are getting it for magical uses aren't gonna be. No, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, yeah. It will last decades if you're yeah. doing it for, for, <laughs> for just magic. For just yeah. magic. Yeah. You'll probably buy one sharps container and it'll be thrown out when you die. <laughs> exactly. And there and it comes with instructions on how to yeah. dis, you know, where you send it to dispose of it. So yep. that's just you know, so that you're staying within the law. Yeah. You don't need to wash it before throwing it away no. in a sharps container. No. Because they're not openable. Yeah. Right. They're little and they're a little self contained needle package. Exactly. And Captain Virgil says, be considerate of the garbage men. Exactly. You don't throw whether you've cleaned it or not, you do not yeah. throw a sharps needle uh, yeah, into needle. your garbage. And it's an could, extremely it, sharp needle. It's very sharp, so it could it could literally poke it someone. Could puncture through right. the garbage bag and, and injure yeah, someone. Exactly. So, yeah. so that's why you have the sharps container. Yeah. That's right. It's a thicker plastic, but the needle is not going to pierce. Correct. Yep. So now, so getting those, back... Those basic mundane right, now safety we've, we've covered the safety stuff. Because then, you know how we are about safety. Mm-hmm. And you've called out Supernatural. We've called out the TV show Supernatural and Sabrina. Any, and of, any of the shows that portray What's the um, one we just watched magic. where that was about witches, where they actually did the cut in the I hand? Know, many shows. Yeah, many, many, many shows. Many, many, many shows. shows. Yep, that's the, that's the thing everyone sees, and so I think yep. that's... I don't want people that to yep. be their first thought for how they should get blood. First... The easiest way to get blood is just to prick the side of your finger or whatever. Right. Yes, exactly. Not the pad of your finger, actually, because you're more likely to have calluses there. You hit mm-hmm. the side of your finger next to the pad, and you're more likely to 
actually yep. her and get blood. Yep. Exactly. Plus, then it hurts less when you use your fingers later. So, right. yeah. So, basically, I have one note here. Blood magic does not have to be gory or messy. Right, yeah. It, it can doesn't. be very tidy. Very, very tidy. And, in fact, for because of blood-borne pathogens and things mm-hmm. like that, it's actually better for it to be tidy yes. <laughs> and organized. Victoria S. says, lol, unless you do a lot of hand sewing, then you need to remember which finger to prick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very That's true. true. That's true. Now we can move on to ancient views of blood. That's right. It actually looks like you're drinking blood right now. No, I'm drinking... Humans actually can't drink blood. No. I'm drinking water that has, uh, like, a strawberry Mio in it. Ah, it's very red. Yeah. No, humans can drink, like... So, blood is actually toxic to humans. So you can you can consume, a, like, a few tablespoons before you will become seriously ill and it will start damaging your organs. Mm-hmm. So I don't recommend drinking blood either. Yep. You want to be vampires out Yeah, there. no. Very, very toxic. <laughs> very toxic. Too much iron is a, is a question that Chris... Yeah, among other is. things. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's bad for... It, it will shut down your organs yeah. and cause long-term damage, even if you survive. So don't do that. Crystal says, symbolically, drink pomegranate juice. Yes, there you go. Absolutely. Pomegranate there, is actually a good substitute for blood in general. It, it is. And there are plenty of herbs that can be substituted for blood magic. You just have to do a little research. Mm-hmm. If you're not comfortable working with real blood. Yeah, if you're not comfortable. There, there are natural and herbal substitutes out there. There's fruit juices. There's all kinds of things that you can use to substitute for blood. But they're not going to have the same effect. They're not going to have the same effect, but they can be representative. They can, yeah, they can be symbolically representative of blood, but they're not going to have the same correspondences as using your own blood. That's true. So blood sacrifice used to be really common in a lot of cultures, Mm -hmm. and that's both animal and human sacrifice. Right. So any sacrifice where blood was involved. So Mm -hmm. pre-Columbian cultures had a lot of blood sacrifices. Mm Mm-hmm. In Carthage, pre the the destruction of Carthage, but in the Punic Wars, there was reportedly child sacrifice practiced in Carthage. Children were sacrificed to Baal, and reportedly, while Carthage was under siege, all the Carthaginian children were sacrificed. But it's hard to tell if that actually happened, because the Greeks really hated Carthage just right. a whole lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, so everything we have about Carthage is propaganda. You still see blood sacrifice used today sometimes in, like, Santeria. Mm-hmm. That's animal sacrifice, usually chickens. Chickens, yeah. Yep. There's also some tribes and mm-hmm. uh, groups in various parts of Africa that still use blood sacrifice as part of their rites and rituals. Yep. There were some native tribes to America, some First Nations that used various bloodletting sacrifices mm-hmm. um, as part of various rituals. Yeah. Um, so did the Norse do it? Did the heathens do it? So, there's some evidence of human sacrifice, and there's right. evidence of animal sacrifice. Right. So yes, but we're, it's not clear to what extent and to whom. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, so that's true of the Celts, too. Yeah, exactly. But everything that's written about the Celts that we have came from the Romans. The Romans, yeah. So, so again, the, the, it's the Carthage problem. Right, like, exactly. How much of this is legit? How <laughs> yep. much is propaganda? Yeah, and I would like to include that, like, for instance, blood sacrifice using animals, like such as those that are still practiced today in, like, Haiti and Africa, mm-hmm. as we were mentioning. It's also, it feeds the community. It's something that is right. not just for the the sake of the blood, of the, the energy right. of the animal, but it is meant for food for the community Sometimes, as well. Sometimes, because there are different kinds of offerings. So yeah. there's burnt offerings, where the flesh of the animal is sacrificed to the god, and then there's... So I guess in, in ancient Hebrew tribes, they had mm-hmm. three kinds. They had a burnt offering, where the whole animal was burnt. Mm-hmm. They had a like a mixed offering, where part of the animal was burnt, and part of it fed the community. Mm-hmm. And then they had what was called a peace offering, where just the blood was offered, and the whole animal fed, right, the, community. fed the community. Right. Yep. I would also like to insert that 
in ancient times too, menstrual blood was part of certain, for certain, like for Egyptians, Native American tribes, Mesopotamians, that was also part of their, their blood rituals as well. Sometimes, but sometimes menstrual blood was considered unclean, yeah. so it wasn't used at all. It, that's why I'm saying it was dependent upon... Yeah, that's wide the, vari- yeah, variety it, there. It, I think there's more variety with menstrual blood than there is with animal sacrifice. In there general. is. Most of the time it is, uh, it was considered unclean, mm-hmm. but what I'm trying to say is that there were cultures where it was considered life-giving and it was part of their particular rituals and honoring to their goddesses. Right. And you'll find a wide variety of opinions on that even today. Like mm-hmm. Gwen, I think, is probably pro-menstrual blood in magic. Mm-hmm. I don't think menstrual blood should be used in magic because it's only 50% blood by volume. And like I consider that blood functionally dead blood. Gotcha. Your mileage may vary widely on that one. Yeah. And so it really, just like with the ancients, yeah. it just, it depended upon the culture and the area, the time, the deities and yeah. the people. And the, the social mores. The social mores of the people. Um, something I wanted to mention is that like, there's evidence of blood sacrifice and the importance of blood sacrifice in the Bible. Yes. With Cain and Abel. Cause yes. Cain tries to offer fruits, fruits and, and vegetables. vegetables. And that offering is rejected, rejected, rejected entirely, not even not accepted at all. Right. No, I didn't like it. And he rejected and it. And Abel's offering of the blood of a of lamb, the blood of a lamb, is accepted and preferred. And right then Cain and offered Abel. And then yeah, exactly. And then Cain took that lesson and was like, "All right, you want blood? I'll give you blood." <laughs> <laughs> I think there was a little more hostility behind that. But, <laughs> but yeah, but, but the point is, is that. The, the offering that was accepted was the blood and the and the scent of the meat and mm-hmm. that is what was was a desirable it was practice. desirable because blood is life mm-hmm. so getting into science a little bit <laughs> oh it in science here we go everybody just I'm not gonna kind get, of sit back I'm not going to get relax. deep into science I'm not going to use any science words I like science uh, um, right. science good. is interesting I, I found an interesting correlation I guess so in Norse mythology, mm-hmm. blood and breath are two of the most important qualities of human life mm-hmm. because those are the two divine, well, the two most identifiable divine gifts given mm-hmm. to humankind during our creation. Right. Breath was given by Odin and blood was given by the mysterious Lothar. Something that I found really interesting is that blood and breath are actually actually like tied together physically in your body. And yes, this was something are. that the the Greeks also the Greek ancient Greek philosophers tried really hard to figure out and they never quite got there, but they you know they got close. So your red blood cells are created in your bone marrow and then they circulate through your body. And the job of a red blood cell is to go to your lungs and to pick up oxygen. That's right. And then to travel through your body, through your veins, and transmit that oxygen to the cells that need oxygen. Mm-hmm. And then pick up carbon dioxide on the way, and then go back to your heart and diffuse the carbon dioxide yep. and get new oxygen. And they keep cycling through until the blood cells break down. It's a beautiful system. It is. It's a it's a really nice, closed, homeostatic system. That's right. <laughs> so there were, like, generations of thought on, like, how the body worked. But, but the prevailing thought for a long time uh, among ancient Greek philosophers, who were also essentially the medical experts at the time, right. was that human body, the human life, was preserved by what they called innate heat, mm-hmm. which they thought was generated by the heart. Uh, and they thought the blood... In the body, the job of the blood was to move the heat through the body so that, you know, your limbs could be warm, mm-hmm. warmed by the, the furnace of the heart. And the job of breath was to cool the blood 
so that you didn't overheat and spontaneously combust. So they knew there was some kind of relationship between how the breath and the blood interacted and Mm -hmm. that it was necessary to have both things to make your body work. They just like, there were a lot of theories about how that works. So like there was another theory that the right chamber of the heart produced blood Mm -hmm. and the left chamber of the heart produced air. Mm -hmm. And so you breathed air to basically keep the heart going, to keep the heart heart running. And then the other chamber would pump blood through your body. Hmm. So Mm -hmm. like they knew there was a connection They just weren't sure what it was. But because they believed, because they'd figured out that blood in particular was so vital to life because it was the homeostatic element, the Mm -hmm. part that was generated in and could only be contained in the body, as opposed to the breath, which was the part that interacted with the outside world, they believed that the blood either contained, was, or in some way came in contact with the soul, and that consequently your heart was the seat of actual, like, being and intelligence. Which is where we get that concept of these things come from our heart. You mm-hmm. know, we give our heart to people. It's all correlated. We, yep. we picked up all these things. All these, yeah, these, things uh, have been sort of filtered down. Filtered down. Retranslated. Exactly. So when we when we think of our soul, the seat of our soul, mm-hmm. most people think of is their heart. Because... Uh, because and in, not the pump. Especially in the, <laughs> right. Especially because in the modern world, most of us, our education was inspired by mm-hmm. the, the Greek, Greek doctrines, Greek yeah. philosophers. Because there were other cultures where, like, they believed your stomach was the seat of the, of the consciousness. And there were a few that thought the brain, but most did not. <laughs> most considered <laughs> the brain basically irrelevant. Yep. Um, ancient Greek philosophers did, were pretty sure that you fell asleep when your brain cooled down because there was less blood in it, mm-hmm. and you died when your brain became cold. Yep, but they didn't think your brain was actually where your, like, identity existed. They exactly. thought that was your heart. Well, when you think about it, it kind of makes sense, because when you are experiencing strong emotions, mm-hmm. what does you, how does your, your body react? Yep, your, your heartbeat speeds up. Exactly. You start you to get hot. You get hot, or you get chilled, mm-hmm. or things like that, you know. You can see where they would get this uh, this belief or this understanding that the soul is centered in the in the heart in and, your and in, the, in the core exactly, of your being exactly and then transmitted through the body by the blood exactly and exactly. is I guess the reason why we have heartache and heartbreak yep. yeah yeah exactly so, and the reason why Christians always screw up the inviting Jesus into my heart even though that's <laughs> not anywhere in the Bible but think about how much so they of just the Greek, took the Greek philosophy exactly and, and exactly. incorporated it because there was in. a lot of interaction right, yep. in Greek thought and early Christian thought exactly yeah. Greek, so yeah Roman, if you're if you're bringing, if you're supposed to be marrying your soul to Christ, right. you would be bringing him into, into your, your heart. heart. Because exactly. that's where the soul is. Exactly. It's- and that's why, this is part of the reason blood has such a strong magical use, mm-hmm. a magical value, right? Is because not only does it sustain life, but sort of culturally, mm-hmm. we behave as if it is part of our essential being. It, we do. We and that's, I think, why do. some people get really uncomfortable when they see blood. Because they're saying, that should be in me and is part of me and is out exactly. of me and that's bad. That is something I was actually reading in an article today about blood magic. Is that the, this particular author believed that some people do get are so uncomfortable or don't like the sight of blood. Because there is an innate mm-hmm. uh, cultural understanding of the power power of blood mm-hmm. there's also you need that inside that you, you need that that is important but also and then uh getting back to the suppression of women and their their cycle of of menstruation if blood is very important and very powerful 
that there are those who believe that is also tied to uh, some of the patriarchal views of women because of they were unclean because right. they were losing their Sp- blood. Spooky bleeding. They were, there was spooky bleeding spooky going bleeding on. bleeding that didn't kill them somehow. From, from <laughs> these people every month. <laughs> you know. Jim Two Snakes said, I hide my soul in my big toe. It makes the defensive magic better. Nobody aims for your feet, but I stub my toes all the time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in particular, my big toes. Yeah, so it that seems kinda, unwise. Yeah. Uh, and then Bat Potato said, keep your soul in your soul. Oh, in the soul of your foot? Yeah. Mm. That would be even harder to aim at. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep, because you're most likely be standing a, on it. Got to be in a real specific position to hit that. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely, but that that's fascinating. I've always really appreciated the Greeks and the Romans and, mm-hmm. and their their ideas, their philosophy. The Greek philosophers were trying; they were so hard, hard to so figure hard. things out. That's right. Well, and let's face it, we have medicine today because of the work of the Greek mm-hmm. physicians. Yep. Mm-hmm. We have our understanding about herbalism when we when right, we did yep. our herbalism episode. It it all goes back to the to the Greeks and their desire for knowledge and their desire to understand how the human yeah. being works. They worked really hard. They had they a lot of theories. Really hard. They would have competing theories and fight each other about the theories. And then <laughs> the, you know, and then those other cultures like the Romans would adopt. And of course, you know, we can't forget what was going on in China and Japan and oh, yeah. you know, all their brilliance with the that they were yeah. coming up with their particular systems of, of mm-hmm. belief and science and understanding of how the body works yep. and things like that. They just ruined my soul and the soul thing. Or bat potato soul and the soul thing. Why? Legos. Oh, Legos, yeah. That would that would that would definitely screw you up. Yeah. You kept your soul and the soul of your foot. And Legos are easily accessible and really effing hurt. Yes. <laughs> they are they are absolutely so, all right. I, I don't think I actually have a soul, so there's part of that. Like <laughs> I am a soulless human. Uh You're but ridiculous. if <laughs> You know, if I do have one somewhere, I need to find a place to hide it. Because I do a lot of stupid shit. Like a a lich? Somewhere, yeah. Or maybe a a A horrox. A A horcrux, yeah. Yeah. A horcrux. Horrox is the grocery store. A horcrux is... Maybe I can can hide it at the grocery store. Sometimes I think my mom leaves her soul at that grocery store. She loves that store. So did you have any other sort of cool historical facts about blood magic? Um, mine was more having to do with the, with, around women and the menstrual. Cause I thought there's actually a museum of menstruation. I was like, really? That seems <laughs> unnecessary to me, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently the Mesopotamian mother goddess Ninhursag was said to make men out of loam and put her blood of life into them. Hmm. They would make dolls, put their menstrual blood into it, and then use it for love magic. <laughs> Cool. Yep. So, but that, that's what I've got. I just, I found that interesting because there is, you know, there are a lot of people today who do still use blood and menstrual blood. In fact, I was reading in Hoodoo, there is, you know, there are traditions and, and I believe in um, some other traditions of, of magic for love spells and things like that. Yeah. Crystal, Crystal says, I think menstrual blood has a place in magic, but maybe specific to things like fertility, maybe. Yes, and that is generally where it is used is for uh, fertility and for love spells. Like I said, a lot of in a lot of uh, various practices, there are there is this, this uh, focus com- on love this spells. Focus this com- this compelling using yeah. menstrual blood, especially which I I'll say it again. Don't feed mm-hmm. anyone your blood; it's bad for people. No, and I agree with that. <laughs> I I read that and I was like, ew, you yeah. know, because some of the recommendations were a little creepy. Yeah, it's toxic but, and bad uh, for people. Don't yeah. put it in anybody's tea. But I mean, in my in my earlier days as a witch, I did use menstrual blood 
in a in a couple of spells, but it had to do with me personally rather than drawing something to me. It was a it was a personal growth spell. Right. I've also used regular blood in um in other spells over the years. When you're in the process of doing that kind of blood magic, you might want to join our tiger Amanda and relax with the salts of wonderful body co. These soaks and scrubs, inspired by popular books and characters, are designed to delight multiple senses with fragrant scents and sparkling mica. You can also find a small selection of rollerball fragrances with a couple of dozen options available. You'll be sure to find something like that at Wonderful Body Coast Collection. This week, Ode is recommending the Lavender Mint Hair Oil with scents you'd expect paired with Joba Joba Seed, Coconut Oil, and Vitamin E for healthy hair. Find Wonderful Body Co. online at wonderfulbodyco.com or go directly to the shop at etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash wonderfulbodyco. And as a three-pack listener, you can put on the code 3PAAC30 and you'll get 30% off. So, Kurt, you said you would have a lot of questions. Yep. What are your questions? Yeah, not, not particularly during that part. Okay. That part I was just... Just listening. Listening. And, and, and I not comfortably... And I know it's the <laughs> just, just because blood in general or menstrual blood specifically? Menstrual blood specifically. Well, I know. Let's talk about blood magic and how it's used. Sure. I think there are two sort of major functions for blood in magic. I think the first one and the one that seems most like obvious and the one that you can use things like spit and hair and mm-hmm. nail clippings for is uh, as a tag lock. Yep. If you want to make sure that magic is directed at you, you use your own blood because mm-hmm. you're sort of putting your signature on it. Okay. If that makes sense. Yep. For instance, when I was uh, dedicating my grimoire, I used a drop of blood in that dedication because it was my book and it was meant as a protection, but also to to basically connect it to my bloodline mm-hmm. so that it's not going to be for anyone other than you and your brother in right. the future or if you ever have any children either one right. of you it's a it's an heirloom essentially yeah it's an heirloom and so that was the reason i used blood in the dedication of my grimoire you're going to do that with your runes yeah so blooding the runes is a slightly is a slightly different thing you're making a sacrifice to the runes when you blood a rune so it's sort of like a tag lock. Like I'm saying, I'm going to work with these runes. And especially because I put blood on them, I wouldn't let anyone else like touch, use, them. touch or use those yep. runes. Although I tend to be like that with all my divination devices. But, I know. but like, yes, you do. But double, especially for runes, <laughs> right? Especially runes that have been blooded. But it's also, so runes are, as Serenth describes them, mercenary spirits. They work for a price. So blooding them is like setting up that, it's that first equivalent exchange. You don't have to blood your runes every time you use them, necessarily. I mean, unless that's the arrangement you have with your runes. But that would be really expensive. Because, like I said, blood is the most expensive thing. But blooding them that first time is about setting up that relationship and and to some extent habituating them to you, but also making it clear that you're willing to pay the price Mm -hmm. for access to the runes. And part of that is because Odin, in acquiring the runes, had to bleed and had to suffer and and die to retrieve the runes from Mimit or Swell. Yep. And I'd like to go back to Emshell 2009's question. Do you think the discomfort about menstrual, menstrual blood, blood 
comes from the stigma placed on sex due to Christianity. I would say there's a possibility of that for modern, the modern conception of, of just bleeding, you know, woman's mm-hmm. monthly cycle, that kind of thing. But that it, it predates that. There were ancient societies. Yeah, they considered menstrual blood unclean. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think it, uh, it comes from those earlier traditions where there is not something we talk about in quote polite society. Yes, exactly. And I think it comes back to again that concept that blood is meant to blood is powerful. Blood is meant to be inside, it's not personal, outside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think it has something. I mean to car do with that. why does it make you uncomfortable? You're the one who is I mean it's certainly it doesn't have anything to do with Christianity. I, you know I don't know exactly why. Probably because it's supposed to be you know, it's an inside thing. It's mm-hmm. it's just right. Yeah. Blood should not be outside, blood should right. be inside. And <laughs> I understand the purpose of it, like biologically. Right. I mean, it's only half blood. Like I said, the right. rest of it is uterine lining. And but stuff. but it's still just, I don't know, it's just one of those things. Just just a hard squick for you. Yep. 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 Just maybe an extension of your blood bad. <laughs> right, yeah. Yep. yep. Getting back to blooding the runes. Yes, and Finn has a, com- a comment. Yes. Finn says, I bloodied my runes to show that I was willing to sacrifice myself for their knowledge, just as Odin sacrificed himself to gain that knowledge. A little drop of blood for me was the least I could do. Yeah, it's sort of a symbolic recreation of that exchange. And I know it's right. To, to get the the runes are going to work with me to give me knowledge. Right. So mm-hmm. I have to make a sacrifice in exchange. So, question on that because I don't know. Uh huh. Do you have to prick a, the finger each time for each rune, or can I you did. do multiple? Okay. I I did a drop of blood per rune. Okay. Not everybody does that. Because I know Sarenth has done blood sacrifices. Mm-hmm. Does he do for more than just the runes, or is he that does. part of his yeah. practice? Yeah, he does. It's just part of his practice. Yep. So. Because, like I said, animal sacrifice, potentially human sacrifice, were part of mm-hmm. ancient heathen practices. Right. right. Yep. So, yeah. Let's see. Crystal, do you wash off the blood or leave it to dry on the runes? Uh, I left it to dry on my runes because I'm the only person who's going to be using them. Right. I think Sarah said the same thing. Nobody touches yeah. his runes. Yep. But but here's the thing. Like, Jim bloods a stone to give to his student hmm. with his blood. But after it's dry... Well, since it's, and it's, since it's only a drop, it's unlikely to flake off. Yeah. You know, because you're just... You're dropping and, and touching it to the to the rune. Yeah. I doubt that... And I would, assam- I would assume it doesn't, like, create a drop. It's just like... No, a, yeah. A, it's just like a little like smear. A smear. Yeah, or just smear. a little smudge or smear of blood on the rune. And my runes are made of wood, so it mm-hmm. soaks, soaks in. Yeah. And, of course, yeah. I did... I touched... Uh, when I used my blood for... for your grimoire. My grimoire that was to paper. So, you know, it dried onto... Into the yeah. The if you have if paper. you have stone runes that are not porous, I would think eventually you're gonna have to wash yes. them, <laughs> and the blood will wash off at that point. But right. you've made the symbolic sacrifice, sacrifice at that right. point, so I mm-hmm. think you're you're good. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so the other thing that you could use blood for in magic, mm-hmm. aside from as a taglock or as um, a sacrifice or an offering to a spirit, is because blood is very expensive and very powerful. You can use it to sort of oomph up a spell. Yes. Yes. To give it more oomph. Mm-hmm. And that's, you'll often see it used for, like, protection magic. Healing spells. Yeah, healing spells. Um, and any kind of spell where you're in, like, extremis and you mm-hmm. really need a powerful result immediately. You can also use it for uh, charms and talismans, especially if they're healing charms or mm-hmm. talismans. But I also wanted to, and obviously fertility magic, you can use uh, blood for that as well. I also wanted to say, going back to tools, you can also use blood for your athame, for your wand, for scrying mirrors, for any of those types of things that you want to charge and make personal for yourself. 
So that's a tag lock yeah. kind of a thing yeah. again, where mm-hmm. you're saying, like, I tie this to me yeah. personally. Exactly. Would you do it with tarot lock. cards? You can. You mentioned, I mean, that would be yeah. a lot of... <laughs> a, lot, a, lot of, a lot of finger pricks, yeah. Or you could do, I guess, for the whole deck. You could get right. a whole I never deck. have, but you could. Yeah, okay. it, that, is, yeah. that is a potential. And then, it would, again, it would be something that you would not share with, with anybody yeah. else. Yep. That would be your deck. And it's the same with the scrying mirror. It's mm-hmm. like if your blood interacts with it in any way. Yeah. That's not could, a sharing tool That's anymore. not a sharing tool. Same with your wand yeah. or, or whatever. Um, so you would not, like, if you wanted to do that to your, your chalice... Or something like that. It would like not that. be something you pass that around your coven. That would not be something you pass around your coven. <laughs> no, any, any, I think any tool that your blood comes into contact with is yours. Right. Very, like, irrevo- irrevocably. Crystal made a good point. If you wanted to hold the deck, the tarot deck, oh, and wipe the blood down the down side, the side of the to deck. get all yeah. of them. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yep. If you wanted to. be very to, efficient. <laughs> yes. If you wanted to make those cards for whatever reason, if you feel very compelled mm-hmm. to make these uh, a to very, mark these cards. A particular these, deck. Yeah, a particular deck, mark right. them. And if for some reason you feel very drawn to them, mm-hmm. because it'll make them very powerful. Oh yeah, that would be, I mean, if you, if you blooded a tarot deck, I think that'd be the most, you get really, I think it would be really hard at that point to do readings for other people with that yeah. deck. Yeah, I think that would you, be, that would be a deck you ended up doing with readings for yourself or potentially readings to like for specific deities, mm-hmm. like uh, for communication. Mm-hmm. But I think I would have a hard time Using a deck that had been blooded for answering other people's questions. Yeah, because it's... Okay, but you could use your runes for answering other people's questions. What would be the difference? The difference is that I would, that I'm using the blood in different ways. So when I blood the runes, I'm not saying, I mean, I'm saying that this is my set of runes. Right. But I'm blooding them because I want to make that exchange with them. Mm -hmm. I want them to give me information in exchange for stuff. In this initial right. case, blood, and then other offerings. So it's more of a sacrifice or an offering. A sacrifice and an offering. Whereas if I blooded a tarot deck, I mean, I guess you could do it the same way, but for me, blooding a tarot deck would feel more like connecting blooding it. a tool and connecting it to me and yep. as a tag lock. Does that make sense? I guess to some extent, but I think of like if you're connecting a tool to you, in particular tarot cards, it would make it easier for you to read them, I would think, because they would be more apt to give you information, right? Maybe. And then it would make it easier to read other people at that point. I don't know. Like I said, I've never blooded a tarot deck. Right. So, right. so my my instinct is that uh, a blooded tarot deck would be better for reading for me because it's connected to me through mm-hmm. my blood. But I don't know. I don't have any practice with that. So that, that may be a your mileage varies thing. Right. Just wondering. You can also use, um, if you need blood for a particular spell, you can also add it to the oil that you use to dress a candle. Yes. For a candle spell. Uh, and that lets you, so if you add like a drop of blood to an oil that you're using, that lets you spread the blood much mm-hmm. further. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. And it'll last significantly longer, mm-hmm. especially if it's like a seven hour candle. Yep. yep. Exactly. You can so. also add a drop of blood into um, creating a spell bag you know, along with your essential oils or your roots or yeah. herbs or I think things like that. If you're going to add it to something like cloth, you have the problem of it, of if it's going to soak through mm-hmm. the cloth. Unless you add it to an herb or a stone or something that you put into Like a little cotton ball or something. Little cotton, some, yeah. some kind of I, I think I would, put the, I would put the blood on like a little sample, a, a blood container of some kind and put yeah, that in the bag. put in the bag. Rather yep. than trying to get a drop of blood in the bag to not soak through the bag. Yeah, yeah. But it is, my point is, it is possible. Yeah, yeah. You can you put blood into a spell bag. Jim had an interesting thing. He said mm-hmm. he used blood as a part of a special bundle that he made and hid it under a boulder 
so that his soul would always have an anchor. Ooh, that's interesting. That's, 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 that is, that's got kind of a Horcrux vibe. Yep. <laughs> a little bit. Yep. Uh, of that. Or a Horrocks. Yeah. A Horrocks. A Horrocks. Yeah. But yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting idea. Especially, I guess, if you do a lot of traveling and, like, if you, if, if you, you know a, you're gonna live where the boulder is, where the boulder is, right? Like, yeah. if you have a strong connection to that place yep. and to the, especially to the Landsvetir there, and you want to be able to sort of bring their energy with you or, mm-hmm. or more easily call on their energy when you're away from that place. Absolutely. That would be, that seems like that would be really useful for that. So because blood has these various uses, you really do have to kind of specify what you're using it for at the time that you're using yes. it. Intention. If, exactly, intention. If you're not really clear about the purpose of the blood, things yep. can get muddy. That's because magic requires intention. It doesn't matter the type of magic you're doing. Yeah, no, you always have to know exactly what your know purpose is. Always know what your purpose, what your intention is, regardless. Because just think of the blood as an additional ingredient, just like any other ingredient you add to a spell or to. But it, it is just another correspondence, another ingredient, another component to the spell that you are casting. I would say the blood is is another ingredient. I wouldn't say it's just like any other ingredient. Because it's it's so much more, more powerful. That's true. There there is a there's a deeper level of power and energy that goes into the blood because it is part of you. Yeah. And like even more than like using spit or something, mm-hmm. it's it's part of that homeostatic yeah. system that's yeah. not supposed to be breached. Exactly. So Which the fact is... that you're breaching that system mm-hmm. to access blood to use in magic is mm-hmm. really powerful. Which is why you will find a lot of practitioners stating yeah, this is not something you start as a beginner. Yeah. <laughs> this is not a beginner practice. You should be a more experienced spellcaster. Because so that... you're going to be moving a lot more energy this way. Exactly. You're going to be using a lot more energy and so that's why you want to make sure you have a very clear intention, just as you do with any spell. Mm-hmm. But just understand that you are adding a huge amount of power, right. even with just this one drop of blood. So for us very techie people, Joe Frost asks, can you blood in your phone? Do yeah, I mean, anything. I don't see why not. You, yeah, like... You know, because I do... You do, my tarot, you do your, your divination. Divination your is mm-hmm. done on my phone rather than with my deck, though it's the same deck I have. Right. When I do OM, that's a different story. I have an OM app. I never use it. Right. I always use <laughs> you the You always OM. use the real physical right. OM. But the question is, is what you are blooding going to come in contact with someone else? Is your phone going to be used by anyone else? If no... Then I would say... Jim Two Snakes says, just never turn in your phone for an upgrade. (laughs) Exactly. If you are going to blood your phone, keep it in your possession. Don't let anyone borrow it. Yeah. It is... You are claiming it. Because there are some traditions that believe if someone else has access to your blood or to something that you've blooded, they get power over you. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's also something to keep in mind. Anytime you're going to be using blood, you want to make sure that that stays in your possession because mm-hmm. your blood is connected to you. So if someone else right. gets possession of something with your blood on it. I would think that if I was going to, if I decide to blood my phone, which mm-hmm. would be a possibility, maybe. That's amazing considering blood, but, how much yeah. you hate blood. Um, I would then want to put a case on it around yeah, it to, make sure. to, to protect it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's what M. Shell was just asking. What if you blooded in the case? I still say, regardless, that phone should not be handled by other people, whether you've got a protective case over it or not. It is the, the power of the energy of that blood and the blooding that you have committed to it. Right. 
Joe Frost asks, what about people you trust? Can they handle something you've blooded? Well, I have blooded my grimoire with Mm -hmm. the purpose of both protection and tying it to my bloodline. So my children and my my husband are allowed to... We have permission to touch the grimoire. They have permission to touch and and read and use the grimoire. Mackenzie just asked, can you unblood something? Hmm. Good question. I've never tried. (laughs) You would have to, I think you'd have to do some serious work to cut ties some with something serious that you'd like. cutting of ties, yeah. Uh, and you might have to make some more offerings to... And Black Cat's asking if it's hydrogen, 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 hydrogen peroxide. I don't think it's a physical cleansing. Although, it's, yeah, you should you, also do you that. You could, yeah, you, depending on what you're, right. what object you're yeah. talking about. But I think it's also, it's a very, you know, it's a strong energetic tie yeah. to, to this object that you've blooded. It would need to have a strong energetic cutting. Cutting, yeah. You would have to, this wouldn't just be a simple smoke. A casual, yeah. This would be a, you smoke it, you salt it, you bury it in the ground for 30 days. days. You You cut it, you know, you You use a... Symbolically cut any connection between you. you Crystal of Apothecary's Tea said burn it. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, yeah it, like there, I mean, I, there, you would have to do some serious work, I think, to cut ties with something you've Yeah, heard. which is why blood magic is not something you just do willy nilly. Right, it's this not is, a casual. This is use, not a casual kind of. use kind of thing. This is something that you put serious consideration mm-hmm. into. It's not. I don't do a lot of blood magic. It's no. not a, a part of my everyday magical practice. It's when it is necessary. Yeah, I I, I use it, and that's usually for big stuff. It's for big stuff. Yeah, yeah. So to for several people who have asked, yes, this is intentionally blooding something, not accidentally just bleeding on it. No, oh, yeah, no. no. <laughs> like I said, with magic, everything when it comes to magic with spell casting, it comes down to yeah. your intention. Of course, if you, if, you, if you cut yourself accidentally at the altar, I mean, a it may be a sign that the god wanted you to bleed and you were refusing to do that. Right. But it's also that's different from. But like your sidewalk or yeah. You know. <laughs> We're, yeah, yeah they're, like they're, if you cut yourself in the kitchen, yeah, right. you're not blooding your kitchen. No, right. no, it's just it. What we're talking about is intentional blooding of an object or using blood intentionally in spellcraft. Yeah, but that's a good question. <laughs> Brad says, "Can anyone imagine that conversation with Verizon? I need to return my phone after a 30 day blood cleansing <laughs> ritual, so my spirit <laughs> isn't tied to it. Can you make an exception to the seven day policy?" I love that. <laughs> Oh, that's another reason why you should seriously consider. Do you want to tie yourself <laughs> yeah. right. to your phone? Yeah. And, and I'm going to get serious again. Right. Blood magic is not something that should be practiced on a whim yeah. or because it sounds cool. It's kind of like, a, it's kind of like hexing. It's one of those, yes. like with a different reason for it. But again, yes. it's, it's one of those things that like you need to actually like seriously consider why you want to do this. And you need to you go this. and you need to approach it with a very sober attitude mm-hmm. And understanding what it is you are doing. If you don't understand the intention and the reasons behind what you're doing, then you should not do blood magic. Our Tiger, our Darren, is offering intuitive readings and divination with over a decade of experience working with spirit, tarot, runes, and tea leaves. Make an appointment for a reading with our Darren on Facebook at our Darren's Auguries. That's A-U-G-U-R-I-E-S. Our Darren's Auguries, or find them on Instagram at Instagram.com forward slash our Darren Auguries. Maybe you should spell our Darren too, because it just occurred to me that might not be obvious. A R D E R I N. Our Darren. Our Darren. That's right. Did I just win the spelling bee? Yes. Okay, yes, cool. Our Darren's, uh, someone is asking. 
Mackenzie asks, do people use blood magic to tie themselves to deities? It depends on if the deity requires that or if you feel Um, called to do that. That's going to come down to your individual relationship with the Mm -hmm. deity or spirit. And again, definitely not something you should undertake casually. No, no. That's a big oath. And do some research. Is Mm -hmm. that, you know, is blood magic a part of that deity's original their you tradition. Know, their tradition from the, you know, from the ancient rites or whatever. Yep. But that doesn't, it, even if it is, it doesn't mean you have to do it. For instance, with Hakati, sacrifice of dogs was a big thing, you know, for Hakati, the mm-hmm. blood sacrifice of dogs. I'm not going to go out sacrificing a dog. No. It to, would be to honor Hakati. Yes, it would be. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying is, you know, it, a lot of it comes down to, We've modernized. Um, yeah, we have modernized. What do you feel like the deity is saying to you? And is it, <laughs> don't do anything illegal. Right, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Your deities should not ask you to no, break laws. No, de- your deities should not ask you to break laws. And if they do, then you need to make sure you're actually communicating with the right deity. <laughs> so Kristen Gill of uh, the Birmingham Violin Studio mm. asked, if my wife and I wanted to have a family grimoire, could we both blood it? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. And Absolutely. I would tie both your bloodlines to it. And honestly, I think that would be a beautiful ritual. You could yeah. really, that is something that could be very, very meaningful as a family yeah. to do could be in, very cool. in a ritual. Yep. Absolutely. Victoria S. says, what about folks who sacrifice bread or cake animals with strawberry jam inside to reflect blood? That's, again, one of those symbolic things. Mm-hmm. I think it can be useful for people, but it's not going to have the same impact. Right. It's a difference between practicing actual blood magic and practicing and yeah and (laughs) and using these objects as a symbolic gesture Mm -hmm. it's not going to have the same both are useful and valuable and very valuable but not using real blood is just going to be different yeah it's going to be representative and symbolic Mm -hmm. it's not going to be blood magic yeah which is fine. If yeah. you never want to use blood magic in your life, you don't have to. Yeah, there is no... I, I you think can still get plenty powerful spells as so conventional means. So I can jam my phone. Yes, you can put jam yes. on your phone. You could. <laughs> you, you, yeah. you, probably, you probably have done that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but not intentionally. But not intentionally. Because you have to do it intentionally <laughs> for it to actually mean something. But yeah, I think that's important. That's an important point, is that there is a difference between blood magic and um, doing something that is representative. Right. right. Because like like when we were saying earlier, there are lots of herbs and stones exactly. and fruits and things that you can use to represent blood. Exactly. Right? I can use pomegranate juice mm-hmm. to represent uh, a, a sacrifice or an offering to Hakati. Right. You know, if, and dragon's I, blood is the typical... Exactly. Dragon. I use a lot of dragon's blood uh, when a, in that yeah. kind mm-hmm. of thing. Dragon's blood ink. So Parsley Holmes... Uh, blood pudding could be used, but again, it would not be as powerful because it's not your blood. Is there, there, is blood, there blood in blood pudding? There's animal yes. blood. Yeah, there's animal yes. blood. Yes. Yeah. There's animal blood in blood pudding. Um, but you haven't actually done the sacrifice, unless yeah. you're making it from right. scratch. Right, if, if you... Like, if, if you're responsible for getting, like, if you sacrifice that animal and right. you use the blood to make mm-hmm. blood pudding, then yes, I think it would work or exactly you, the same way. But or if you, you obtained the blood from the butcher or right. whatever. I don't know how that's done. Yeah, so. I don't know if you can do that. But if you just, like, went out and bought a blood pudding or got some at a restaurant, mm-hmm. um, you don't know how that animal was handled. Right. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't know anything about the, the life of that animal or the death of that animal, and mm-hmm. those would be sort of important elements to it being a sacrificial offering. And right. that's, I think, where you go to the magic of food. Yep. And you, because we don't always know where 
the components of our meals or our whatever comes. So if you do get blood from a, a butcher to in order to make blood pudding, right. you know, honor the sacrifice that that, that animal made, mm-hmm. even though you don't know specifically how that animal died or how it was treated or that kind of thing. There's a way to approach these kinds of things if you want to do uh, create a blood pudding. You're just going to have to do more Work. Spiritual work, yeah, I guess. Yeah, more spiritual work. Uh, when, when you sacrifice the animal, there's more manual work. Yeah. And when you get the animal from a, like, the blood from a butcher or something, there's more spiritual work because you have to make up for not doing the manual work. But I right. want to say, I don't think there's many of our listeners I know. I'm not going to be doing any animals No, but there are some. There might yeah. be. There, yeah. there, there, I 100% absolutely guarantee that there are people probably listening to this podcast who have, sac- who, like, know how to do their own butchery. Yeah, well, that's yeah. probably true. Yes, that's true. Yeah. I would also say, though, do not get animals off the road. <laughs> no. Do not use roadkill. Don't road use roadkill. Because that is goes back to that mundane cleanliness Yeah, thing. and also ethics and laws. I'm not sure what the laws are. Like, there are sometimes... Depends on the state you live in. Exactly. Sometimes roadkill is actually legal to pick up and, and take home and, and cook. eat. And, and yep. in some states it's not. So right. you have to check all your local legislations and yep. stuff on that. Exactly. Yep. And Black Cat has said, if you raise chickens, it's a thing. That's true. Yep. My grandmother used to raise and butcher her own chickens. Yep. And then Victoria said, I know a heathen kindred in Washington State where there are butchers who have and been trained in yep. animal sacrifice and they raise all their own animals. Exactly. So there That's are opportunities. There are, there are absolutely, you know, people who are trained in butchery out there who, yep. are, who are ethically and spiritually sacrifice and then crystal has offered blood alternatives which include blood pudding pomegranate blood root not edible dragon's blood not edible tree sap edibility unknown assume unedible yeah (laughs) alphabetically shaped and colored foods yes so like any kind of red food cherries Yep. Uh, Rubus tea, tea mm-hmm. would be fine. Yep. yep. <laughs> Hibiscus tea, anything that's going to have that red coloring. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I don't know if there are any foods or like plants that are shaped like in the same way that a red blood cell is. But you, there are some that are shaped like a heart. That's true. Mm-hmm. You could do that. Right. Yeah. Yep. You can find leaves and stuff that are shaped like hearts everywhere. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. But yeah, there, I think yeah. There are, there's some kind of fruit that shapes yep. like yep. a heart. So you could use that. So the point, yeah, and again, the point is that it is something that is standing in, and it will give you the symbology that you right. are looking for, but not a, necessarily... A similar energy without the same kind of oomph. Exactly. Exactly. And so, again, as always, just make sure you have a clear intention. Right. And, obviously, you can't use a substitute as a tag block. Yes. So you won't be able to use these to... Like to say this is mine, right? In exactly. The same way. You can use it for the other blood purposes, mm-hmm. like making a spell stronger, right? Or which um, is why if you are looking for, or like if you're doing healing, a lot of people do those like to heal the blood kind of right, thing. right? Um, but it's not going to work in the same way as a tag lock because it's not part of you, right? And that's in that why case you want spit or something. Yes, and I was just going to say that if you are uncomfortable using blood, if you need a tag lock, a personal tag lock, mm-hmm. you can use hair, spit, nails. Yep. You know, any of those things. Earwax. Probably, I don't know if there's any DNA in earwax. No, I don't know either. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, the point is, you got options. You yep. have options. And it, yeah. there is, and there is no shame. Right. There's, in not practicing blood magic. It's weird. There's That's like, good, because like I'm not going to be. Exactly. <laughs> there's, there's also like a, there's no like shame a, in practicing blood right. magic. Yeah, I was going to say, there's like a double stigma where like, blood magic's spooky, but then you'll have other people being like, if you don't do blood magic, you're not legit. And there's people. That's always nonsense. And you know, I do not believe that there is white magic, black magic, and all this mm-hmm. kind of magic is just magic. But there are,
are going to be people who think that any kind of blood magic is going to always be connected to something that's dark mm-hmm. or left-hand path or, just, or generally spooky. just generally spooky. And that's just not true. Nope. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with it not being spooky. Yeah. Just not interested. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Yeah. And, that's, and like and that's I said, not everyone is going to be. Same way, some people like don't want to deal with alcohol. Like, like I don't, some I don't, people don't want to make alcohol offerings. Yeah, no big deal. Find other stuff. Yeah. And I guess that's what I'm trying to say is that don't judge. Don't judge. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if somebody does or doesn't. <laughs> now I'm actually like fine seeing blood like on screen. Is it because like it's, that doesn't bother me? Is it the distance? I don't know. The, I don't know like when the, it's on a like it's on a movie screen or a television screen. It's fake. To me. Right. Yeah, Whether well, it's it real is, or not. Well, it is fake most well, of the time. Well, sometimes it's not, <laughs> depending on the movie you're watching. But, That's true. But yeah, I mean, it's, so it just has no connection, really. But, like, in person, I don't faint or anything. Right, but you get that visceral, no I bad reaction. I get that reaction. visceral, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, also something to bear in mind is um, sometimes blood magic will not be appropriate for people because they have um, mental health issues. So, like, if you have had issues with self-harm, it may not be... Uh, kosher for you to deal with blood. Right. Or to cause yourself injury to acquire blood. Right. Even, you know, relatively small injuries like with a lancet. Right. So that's also something to bear in mind. Jim says, part of the blood magic is the shock value. You're putting yourself in an altered state. If there's something else that is equally shocking, it could in theory be just as effective. That's also an interesting... Very, very good point. Yeah, and a really interesting point. I've mentioned homeostasis a couple of times now where part of the power of blood is that you're breaking uh, a closed system to access it. Mm-hmm. So if you can recreate that kind of experience, yeah, you could definitely use that. And then Rad says, it might just be my fear of commitment talking, but I don't know that I want to do any spells with blood because it is so binding. And that's a legitimate, yeah, totally that's yeah. a legitimate feeling. That's why I'm saying that, you it's know, it's not for everybody. It's not for everyone. And I don't know that I'll ever do it. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I've used blood very sparingly. I've used it with my runes. Same. I used it with um, an ancestor salt. I very occasionally use it in offerings when it's absolutely necessary because the one thing you never want to do is spend blood for something that doesn't need blood. Right. And the ancestor salt we got from the Box of Rain. Box of Rain, yep. Melkor, you're awesome. Thank you, Melkor. Calling it out, yeah. So uh, we got that. We got those salts from Magnolia Rains. Yep. Um, and she made and sent us ancestor salt and mm-hmm. I blooded that. Right. Right. Um, it was actually a recommendation yeah, to, to blood it. Yep. To say mm-hmm. because otherwise it's sort of general and it's, all ancestors. Oh, right. ancestors. Yeah. Blooding it makes it for my ancestors. That's exactly right. So yeah, I've used blood very sparingly and I'll probably always use blood sparingly Same. because like I said, it's extremely magically expensive. Yes. I don't want to be hyperbolic, but it's the most valuable substance on Earth magically. Yes, and so it should not be used without serious consideration. Mm -hmm. And with due respect and intention. Yep. Why are you giggling? Because because Jim said, I used a Muppet Baby's Band-Aid once. Am I now linked to the Egregora Fozzie Bear? Yes. (laughs) You are forever linked to Fozzie Bear. I was trying really hard Uh not to laugh out loud. (laughs) And Chris is saying, why not use fingernail clippings or snippets of hair? That's our point is that you can. You can yeah. use those absolutely for can. tag lock purposes. The reason they're not as powerful as blood, again, is because they don't break 
the homeostatic system. Yeah, they're they're, yep. they're an outside thing. They're, they're an outside, outside thing, thing, and they're supposed to be outside, and you're supposed to cut them, and right. leave, like you shed your they're hair. Also dead you have things. To, you have to cut your fingernails. <laughs> yeah, your hair is already dead cells. Yeah, so, so are your fingernails. So your fingernails, fingernails are, are already, dead cells. Whereas blood is a, is the living part part of, of that living yep. homeostasis. To use that word you've been using. Yep, that's why the, they they can serve similar functions, but because blood costs more, mm-hmm. exactly. it has more power in it. That's right. Is that it? Yeah, I think that's everything I, I wanted to cover. Yeah, I okay. think we've covered everything that we could possibly yeah. say about it, other than don't judge. Right, yeah. Right. <laughs> do, and don't do, feel pressured. Do or do not do, depending on your needs and desires. Or your Thank tradition. you, Yoda. <laughs> yeah. Although, you probably are baby Yoda. Yeah. Yeah. The, the little... The little one. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's it for this episode of Three <laughs> Pagans and a Cat. You can find us in a bunch of places, but by far the easiest way to find us is to go to google.com, and there's a search bar that comes up. And when that comes up, if you type the number three and then pagans and a cat in that little search bar, click enter or like mouse up and click go, then you will actually find all of the information you would ever want and probably a whole lot more about us. Mm-hmm. You can also go to 3pagansandacat.com, the number 3pagansandacat.com. The fun thing is, that's the first thing that shows up when you do that Google <laughs> search. So, Crystal says, thanks. I had no idea how to use Google until now. So informative. I know. And if you want to know just about us and not about anything else, mm-hmm. put quotation marks mm-hmm. on both sides of the three pagans and a cat and it'll mm-hmm. only pull up information just about three pagans and a cat not about three something when pagans were talking about something in the bible or mm-hmm. so yeah. 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 if you also want to check out uh, what i'm doing over on patheos pagan you can i've done this by myself multiple <laughs> times uh Three Pagans and a Cat, Patheos Pagan. Yes, yeah, just Google that. Just Google, <laughs> or Patheos Pagan, Three Pagans and a Cat. Yeah, either, you don't even need the pagan. You can just Google Three Pagans and a Cat, Patheos, and it'll take you right it'll there. It'll take you right there. Exactly. Three former Christians and a feline. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Crystal. <laughs> that's right. All right, that's it. We're done. Are we done? Okay. I'm going to stop. Yes, okay. well, do that. I think we should say goodbye first. All right, Because our patrons are awesome. Go ahead, say goodbye. 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 Say goodbye. We love our goodbye. patrons. Goodbye, Patrons right now. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Just say goodbye. Bye. Goodbye.